0: Well, our reading this evening, our reading from which I want to preach tonight is Romans chapter 12, so if you'd like to turn with me to that, uh, or just listen, it's Romans chapter 12, and I will read from verse 1 to verse 16. Romans chapter 12, I'm beginning to read at verse 1. (coughs) Let's hear the word of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body, with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts according to the grace given us if a man's gift is prophesying let him use it in proportion to his faith if it is serving let him serve If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need practice hospitality bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn live in harmony with one another do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited. So we thank God for his word. This evening I'd like you to consider with me verse 14, verse 14 in Romans chapter 12 where we read bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse. The Apostle Paul has just told us that we are to love other christians verses 9 through to 12 through to 13 are about love for one another within the covenant community of the church the apostle paul is inspired by the holy spirit and so he speaks with all the authority of god himself and after he has told us how we are to love one another he then turns his attention to people outside of the church and how we are to respond to them up until now in Romans chapter 12 from verses 3 through to verse 13 he's been concentrating on our relationships together within the church and how that by the mercies of God being transformed and renewed in our minds We are to live in relationship with others within the church, with other believers. But when he comes to verse 14, he looks beyond the church, beyond our relationships with believers. And now he's looking out, in a way, into the world. Because as Christians, we don't just live our lives in a little Christian bubble. We don't just live our lives relating to other Christians we live in the world as the Lord Jesus said we are not of the world but we live in the world and we have to have dealings quite rightly with neighbours, friends family members and others who are not believers and so he's looking out now and he's telling us how we are to respond to those who are all around us whether those people are Christians or not now this paragraph, it's a paragraph in the NIV, I think it's a it's good paragraph in the NIV, 14 to, to 16. It sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds very good. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. It sounds really good. And and we would say when we read it, Amen. That's absolutely right. Of course, that's how we should behave. But think about it for a moment. How easy is it to do that? How easy is it? Even that first statement, bless those who persecute you. That's not an easy thing to do, is it? In fact, we'd have to go as far as to say that's not just difficult, that's impossible. It's impossible, naturally, to do that. By nature, we are all sinners. And because we're all sinners by nature, our nature reacts in a certain way. And our nature, our sinful, fallen nature, will always react in the opposite way To this, there is, we might call it a natural reaction that goes right against these. You might remember your chemistry lessons at school. I know at the moment the children aren't allowed to have any real practical work, which is a great sadness, isn't it? Because there's so much that can be done, especially in the chemistry laboratory. But if you have been there and can remember back that far, or if perhaps these days it's, it's looking on YouTube and watching someone do it in the safety of distance, you might remember that there are a, a group of chemicals called alkaline metals. One of the things that we were always asking our chemistry teacher to do is, sir, can you show us the sodium, the sodium experiment? There's a group of chemicals called alkaline metals, sodium, potassium, and others as well. And when you put them in water, they always react. They always react. You get a a beautiful explosion, often a white light, and it's quite dramatic, just through dropping this into water. And it happens every single time. There's always this reaction. You put some sodium in the water, and... Nice white flame. They always do that, sometimes dramatically. It's because it's the nature of those alkaline metals to do that. Whenever they meet water, that's what they do, because it's in their nature, their chemical nature, to do that. And so our human nature always reacts in a certain way. Our sinful human nature always reacts in a certain way when we come into something that is come in contact with something that is difficult or unpleasant then we're going to react in a certain way now of course we're different personalities and so sometimes the reaction will not be as strong with some people as it is with others but there will always be one when you meet something like persecution or the happiness and the sorrow of other people or when you meet people who are different to you, your natural reaction is to hate those who persecute you. You say, well, of course that's what I would do. If someone is treating me really, really badly, then my instinctive, natural reaction is to hate them. Almost often to want to hit back. And, and then when you you find somebody who is really having joys, the the happiness of life, something wonderful has happened to them, how easy it is for us to react by begrudging them their happiness when we don't share that, when someone else has received something that we haven't got, something that we've been deprived of perhaps, and they're enjoying it, and how easy is it to rejoice with them? That's in a sense not a natural thing, is it? And again, when people are mourning and sorrowing, isn't it easy for us to keep away from them and to say, I wouldn't know what to say, and I find it difficult when I'm in the presence of people like that. And then when you find someone who's different from you, very easy to look down on them and to say, well, I'm glad I'm not like that. Maybe you don't think that's true, but think about how you feel when you pass someone in the street and they've got strangely coloured hair or nose piercing or they're homeless people or sitting by the side of the road. How do you feel when you when you see that school bully coming towards you? How do you feel when you see that person who's always teasing you for being a Christian? Or the boss who's never misses a chance to put you down because you're a Christian and to taunt you with Christian things. What about the person who has just got a pay rise and you're struggling on your salary? People you meet in the hospital who are mourning because their loved one has just died in intensive care. What is your natural instinctive reaction? Is it to bless those who persecute you? Is it to share in the joy of others who are joyful and rejoicing? Is it to share in the sorrow and enter into the sorrow of those who are mourning? Is it to look out for and to deliberately associate with people who are so different from you that they don't share your way of life? Is it instinctive for us to live in harmony with one another? I suggest to you that it's not, which is a very reason why we are told in these verses to do the opposite of what is natural to what we might call the natural person, the sinful nature. So why are we being told to react differently? Well, the first reason is this. Because Christians are to react differently in every situation because we are new people. Again, we've got to remind ourselves of this chapter in Romans. We need to remind ourselves where it is and why it's here. And particularly remind ourselves of the first few verses. Because if we don't grasp that, we're never going to understand this. If If you just missed the first 11 chapters of Romans and the first few verses of this chapter and you just landed here in verse 14 and you're told bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse then you're going to say to yourself well I'll I'll have a go if the Bible tells me to do it I'll, I'll have a go but I'm going to struggle doing that but you see the problem is that you're missing the whole foundation that the Apostle Paul has built up in all those chapters, and particularly in the first few verses. If we don't grasp that message, we're never going to be able to understand these last chapters in Romans. Because Romans chapter 12 begins with, Therefore I urge you, brothers. So he's talking to us as brothers and sisters, and he says, "Uh, there's a reason why I can now say to you, live like this. What is that reason? Well, that reason is because he's already laid the foundation that every one of us are sinners by nature. We are fallen, we are disobedient, we are rebels against our holy God. Every single one of us has done one. There is not one who is righteous. Not a single person in the world is right with God by nature. None of us are. We are all fallen and sinful. We inherited it from Adam in, by just being human. By just being born into this world we are fallen and sinful creatures. And we confirm that by living lives that are sinful. We break the commands of God. There is nothing that we can do about that. But there is a glorious thing that God himself has done. What we couldn't do, God has done by sending his son By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, the Lord Jesus came and gave himself and paid the price for our sins that we might be made right with God, that we might be justified, that we might be declared righteous in God's sight. How? Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This great transformation occurs in our lives and it's all through the mercy of God. Now that's Romans 1 to 11. And then when he comes to chapter 12, he says, Now therefore, because of God's mercy, because of the great mercy of God towards you, you are able now to live different lives. Because of the transformation and the renewing of your minds, you can now live this new life. So from so this built on that foundation. Christians are new people. We are the recipients of great mercy. We are able to offer our whole bodies in totality to God. We are to live lives, we are able to live lives that are pleasing to God in every way. And we do this by not conforming to the world. And that includes not reacting the way, the way non Christians do. Not reacting the way that we used to react. If you can remember a time when you were not a Christian, if you lived a number of years and perhaps into adult life and you were not a Christian, you will remember the way you used to react to things and to people. And we're not to react like that anymore. We're not to conform to the world. Rather, we're to be transformed. Our minds first. The way we think and then the way we behave because a transformed and renewed mind will will lead to a different way of living. And none of this is possible unless we have experienced the transforming work of God in our minds and hearts. If we have been made Christians, if we have been converted, if we have been made right with God, reconciled to him. So, Only then can we live like this. Paul is actually asking us to do the impossible in these verses. It isn't natural for us to live like this. These verses underline that. The whole of this chapter, if you read it through, you'd have to say, well, that's not a natural thing to do. I'm being asked to do something that goes against human nature. That's true. Because it does go against sinful human nature. But it is perfectly consistent with the renewed nature. The new person that we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Naturally, by nature, we are sinners. And we react in a totally different way to this, to these verses. We instinctively, like a sort of knee-jerk reaction, we hit out when we are persecuted. We instinctively resent others their joy and we avoid people when they're mourning. Instinctively we rub one another up the wrong way and we love trouble rather than harmony. Instinctively we we love to look down on those who are in a lower position to ourselves. Why? Because we have a sinful nature that is like that. It's part of our fallen human nature to behave like that. And of course we will always try to excuse ourselves by saying things like this. Have you heard yourself saying this? It's only natural. I can't help it. That's just the way I am. Now all of that is the voice of the natural person. Not the person who is born again. So what is it that marks out a Christian? Well, what marks out a Christian is certainly the way that they act. We see that in verses 9 to 13. Love. This is an action, isn't it? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. These are all actions, aren't they? And and they're very important ones as well. And certainly they mark out a Christian. The way that we behave will mark us out. The things that we do, act, yes. But I think even more, even more so, the way that we react marks us out as Christians. You see, the difference between acting and reacting is often a difference of time. When you act, you've got time to think about it, haven't you? You've got time to consider I'm going to love my brothers and sisters. I'm going to show some hospitality now. I'm going to share with someone who's in need. And and we've got time then, haven't we, to think about it and to and to consider and to act in a Christian way. And if you're a believer, it's quite right that you should think about those things and find ways of doing those things. And by God's grace and in his mercy, you're able to do them. Ah, it's different when you react, though, isn't it? When you react, it's almost like you've got no time to think at all. You just... Like that science experiment. You're there. Reactions. So what has happened to the Christian is that he or she has been changed in our nature. This is what the word of God speaks of isn't it when it speaks of being born again. Being born again means beginning a new life completely a changed life. Our nature changes not our personality but our nature changes. We are made new renewed in our minds and in our hearts by the work of the holy spirit. The christian is a new person. We we feel that. We were speaking about that this morning weren't we that we feel that when we become a Christian we know that something fundamental has happened to us something has transformed us God is in our lives now we we probably can't really explain it but we know that it's happened and before long other people know that it's happened as well because we've changed and they say to us you're not like you used to be what's happened and we're able to say to them, it's it's God, it's God in my life, the Lord Jesus Christ has changed me. So uh, I sense your nature changes when we become a Christian. That's how you recognise that a person has become a Christian. You, you look at them, you listen to them, you see how they act and you see how they react. Now... None of that is to say that our reactions are always perfect and consistent. They're not. We know that. Sadly, we often fail. And we we, we often react in a wrong way as Christians. Here's the difference, though. The difference is now that you're a Christian, when you react in a wrong way, you know it. You feel it. You mourn that sin. You come to God at the end of that day and you you pray to him. Haven't we often said this in our prayers? Lord, I spoke out of turn today. Lord, I got angry today. Lord, I was resentful today. Lord, I was arrogant. I was proud today. Isn't that the natural and proper response of a renewed person? You wouldn't have said that before you were a Christian. The very fact that you say that now recognises the fact that you are now acting out of character and you want to behave differently because Christians are to react differently in every situation simply because we are new people. And that's really important for us to understand as we come to this verse. Then let's move on, particularly with this verse, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Christians are to bless those who persecute them. We're told that twice. If you're told something twice in the same verse, then it must be important and we must... It's something that we need to take notice of. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It's underlined, isn't it? Bless. What does it mean to bless? Well, we use the word bless sometimes when we're talking to God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's a great use of the word, isn't it? Praise. It, It means praise, doesn't it? Bless means praise. Now, it can't mean praise here. We're not to praise those who persecute us. We're not to say to those who persecute us, Oh, you're a wonderful person. It's great. I praise you for what you're doing. Our praise and our blessing in that sense is reserved to the Lord our God. It means here, of course, we understand what it means. It means to ask a blessing on them. To ask God to bless them. In fact, perhaps a little more than that. To ask God to make us a blessing to them. Oh. Now we begin to see that these things are not easy, are they? You see, the opposite of blessing is curse. And the Apostle Paul is not saying here, bless those who persecute you, but in your heart, resent it. No, no, no. He says, bless and do not curse is saying that our whole reaction to those who persecute us must be one of seeking a blessing from God upon them. Now, we might think tonight that we are not persecuted, that we live in a country where we don't get persecution. We read of persecution in other countries. Um, Many of you will read in all sorts of Christian um, prayer letters uh, about persecution that is going on in China, in India, in Burma, uh, Myanmar, and, and many other places in the world, many parts of Africa and, and so on. And we might think, well, we're not persecuted, so surely this verse doesn't say anything to us. But that's making that, this word persecution very narrow. It, it means that we're thinking of persecution in terms of being stopped from worshipping God not being allowed to have a church building, being put in prison because you're a Christian, being beaten because you're a Christian, uh, being disowned by your family because you're a Christian. And, And we think of those forms of persecution. And when we think of that, we have to say that there's not much of that in the culture in which we live. Perhaps this is a completely different subject, but perhaps that's because our level of Christianity is so low in this country. Perhaps we are just ignored as Christians and perhaps if the church was more vibrant and alive and renewed and woken up by the Spirit of God, perhaps we would experience more persecution. That has certainly been historically the experience of God's people. But we must not assume then that because those things don't happen to us, that we are not persecuted Because persecution comes in many different forms. And I'm sure that every one of us here will have met it in some form or other. Because persecution means that someone is pursuing you. Someone is putting you to flight. Driving you. It speaks of opposition because you are a Christian. The Lord Jesus spoke of persecution in these terms. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 22 Luke chapter 6 and verse 22 Blessed are you when men hate you when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man Now in the context of the Jews who became Christians like the, the blind man being excluded from the synagogue, being excluded from the life of, of, of Jews in those times that meant social exclusion, and it could be hard, and the exclusion there uh, was very real. But hatred, exclusion, insults, rejection these are things that Christians face all over the world, these are things that we face and this is persecution. We read the Beatitudes, didn't we? At the end of the Beatitudes, verse 11, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So it can range from people ignoring you, passing over you, to full-scale physical harm and torture and death because you are a Christian. We need to be very careful that people don't respond this way to us because we're doing wrong and because we're irritating them in in any way but this persecution is when someone behaves like that to you because you are a child of God many examples in the Bible aren't there Joseph's brothers hated him Joseph's brothers drove him away Joseph's brothers sold him they just hated him for what he was saying and doing and for who he was favoured son and then Potiphar's wife telling lies about him, setting him up so that he would fall into sin or that he could be accused of wrongdoing when he hadn't done it and then he was put in prison wasn't he Daniel the officials spied on Daniel what did they spy on him doing he wasn't doing anything wrong he was praying to his God but of course it already set the trap, hadn't they? It already set a law that they knew Daniel couldn't fail to break and then they reported him to the king and he ended up in the den of lions. Jeremiah being put down the dried up well and left for dead. Paul and Silas being shouted at in the streets of Philippi by the demon-possessed girl and then being beaten and being imprisoned in Philippi these are all examples and there are many others of God's people being persecuted take that last one as an example of our verse bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse in Acts chapter 16 we find Paul and Silas enduring verbal and physical abuse it's quite illegal persecution often is You know, because the law in many countries is against persecution, but it still happens. And Paul and Silas should never have been imprisoned as Roman citizens without a fair trial. It was also undeserved because they'd done nothing wrong. In fact, they'd been a blessing to that demon-possessed girl, hadn't they? Wasn't it a blessing to her to be delivered from the demons that were enslaving her? from the fact that that demon possession made her the slave girl of some masters who were making money out of her because she was able to tell people's fortune, so they thought. That was a great blessing for her to be released from that, wasn't it? What was their reward for doing good? It was imprisonment. A beating, a severe beating and imprisonment. So how did they respond? Well, they responded not by curses, but by singing and by praising God at midnight in that prison. And that led to further blessing in the jailer's conversion. You see, their whole attitude towards persecution had been changed. They were transformed men. They didn't react by hating, complaining, and being resentful and shouting that they were innocent. You could imagine they could shout all night, couldn't they? They're innocent. They'd done nothing wrong. This was all unjust. Instead, they were singing the praises of God and praying. And that became a blessing to the very people who had put them there. The jailer himself was converted. What a wonderful blessing that was. Today I think it's quite easy to see a situation like that slave girl where someone comes and hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus and they're in the grip of some addiction and perhaps they are involved in a group of people who are exploiting them through their addictions and they're enslaved really, aren't they? Or someone who has pursued a life that is not in accordance with God's purpose and God's love for them. And and they're they're deep in a trench of misery. But other people have got them in their their control. Then what happens is people hear the gospel and they know true freedom. They're freed from those addictions. And they come into the company of God's people and they find love. happens then? Well, the people who they were enslaved to, the people who are controlling them, are not going to like that, are they? And then you soon find that the Christian church is maligned and persecution comes. Read biographies and you'll see, Christian biographies, there are many examples of the way in which God's people are persecuted. But they bless even their persecutors. Like Stephen, as he was being stoned to death and prayed for those who were stoning him to death and his prayer was wonderfully answered because the very man who wrote this letter to the Romans was one of them who was involved deeply in the killing of Stephen, that godly man and yet he was converted what a blessing that was Christians are to bless those who persecute them finally, when Christians do this we are being most Christ-like. When Christians bless those who persecute them, when they bless and do not curse, they are being most like their Lord and Saviour. Because we are, first of all, following his teaching, aren't we? Isn't this exactly what the Lord Jesus told us? Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. The Lord Jesus says, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Isn't that exactly what we're being told in this verse? The Apostle Paul is not telling us anything new. He is repeating the teaching of his Lord and Master and Saviour. We are to do good to those who ill-treat us. We are to pray for them. We are to love those who hate us. So we're following his teaching. But we're also following his example, aren't we? That's exactly what our Lord Jesus did. There is no one who has been more unjustly treated than the Lord Jesus Christ. No one. There is no one who suffered as many insults as our Lord Jesus did. There is no one who was beaten for no good reason than our Lord Jesus Christ and how did he respond he did not open his mouth he remained silent Peter tells us 1 Peter chapter 2 but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it this is commendable before God to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate. When he suffered he made no threats. Instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What a wonderful example our Lord Jesus is. His death is not only an example of course, we must never make that mistake. His death is never only an example. His death is the sacrifice for our sins but it is also an example to us how he suffered and that when he was on that cross he actually prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. That's the example. That's the example of blessing those who persecute us, blessing and not cursing. All of that goes right against the grain of both our nature and the culture in which we're living. And with when Christians behave like this, they will be seen. They will be seen to be different. People will say, how can you do that? How can you put up with that? Why do you put up with that? We say, because our Lord Jesus put up with far more for us. We may be hated. All the more because we respond like this. Because our culture is one that Encourages revenge cursing but this is the fruit of being born again if you know anything of this check your natural instincts even as a Christian develop and train yourself by the spirit's help to behave in this new way it is in your new nature as a Christian to behave like this and you will be blessed yourself if you do it because you'll be showing yourself to be a disciple of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ but may the Lord give us grace by his strength and mercy and only in his power to do these things let me finish by reading uh, a hymn there aren't really any hymns that I, I could find in our hymn book that specially address this issue but uh, But here is that one that speaks of patience and submission in difficulties, 790. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, your best, your heavenly friend. Through thorny ways Leads to a joyful end Be still my soul Your God will undertake To guide the future As he has the past Your hope Your confidence Let nothing shake All now mysterious Shall be brought bright at last Be still my soul The waves and winds Still know his voice Who ruled them While he dwelt below Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on When we shall be forever with the Lord When disappointment, grief and fear are gone Sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past All safe and blessed We shall meet at last Shall we pray? O oh Lord our God we thank you for the joy of being a Christian we thank you for our savior the Lord Jesus Christ who blessed